You're listening to the Membership Geeks podcast, bringing you proven practical tips and advice from the leading experts on growing a successful membership business. Well, hello there. Welcome to this episode of the Membership Geeks podcast. I'm Mike Morrison, one half of those aforementioned Membership Geeks, and this is the place to be if you want the insight, the tips, the advice to grow a successful membership business. And there's no one better to hear it from, to learn from than us. I mean, that's blowing our own trumpet, but we've been doing this for years now. Myself and Callie have been behind some truly, truly phenomenal successes in the membership game. And of course, we've been running our own membership, membershipacademy.com, for eight years now. If you haven't checked out our last episode that was released a couple of weeks ago, that was a very, very special episode with myself and Callie, basically celebrating that eight-year anniversary, looking back over the past 12 months, talking about what changes we've made and looking a little ahead into the future too. So make sure you stay tuned after today's episode in your podcast app and it'll just take you right to that last episode where you can get the inside scoop on everything that has gone down in year eight of Membership Academy. But you're not going to want to skip this one. This is a very, very special episode. I'm very excited to be joined by a special guest on today's show. I've been talking to Krista Miller from Summit in a Box all about how to use online summits to sell your membership. Now, online summits are one of those um, types of content, types of events, types of strategies that can work so, so well, but so many people do online summits poorly. I've been involved in a whole bunch of them and they, they, they really, really vary greatly in terms of how well they're pulled off and how effective they are as part of a marketing strategy. So it's not really something we've covered a great deal on this show and I've been very, very keen to get someone on to share their wisdom and advice on how we should do summits properly because when it comes to memberships, particularly memberships that are open all of the time, event based marketing that is marketing that is centered around some sort of physical or virtual event that is happening in real time that can be interacted with that has a start date and an end date where people need to attend that type of marketing activity can work gangbusters for selling a membership but only if you do it right and fortunately you're going to learn how to do it right from one of the absolute best experts, best minds when it comes to this strategy, who has achieved success working with other membership owners on putting together their online summit and getting that strategy right. So without further ado, I'm going to jump over to my interview with Krista Miller from Summit in a Box. So my guest today is a virtual summit strategist obsessed with helping online business owners to skyrocket their membership sales by hosting highly profitable summits that blow industry standards out of the water. Through her business, Summit in a Box, she's on a mission to help you replace slow growth and costly marketing strategies with a high converting virtual summit that will multiply your revenue and lead to your biggest membership promotion yet. I'm very, very excited to welcome to the show, Krista Miller. Krista, it is great to have you on the Membership Geeks podcast. 
Thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm like really happy to geek out about memberships with like the total membership geek. geek. So this is going to be so much fun. Yeah, absolutely. It's my favorite thing to do, which is, <laughs> you know, it's in the name. Awesome. Yeah, um, right. So for any of our listeners who have not attended an online summit, perhaps they're newer to the world of online business, they've not run one of their own, maybe they're just not familiar with what they are. Can you just describe in a nutshell what we're talking about here. How do online summits work? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, typically an online summit is run by one person, although sometimes multiple people come together to make this happen. And you are basically hosting a big online event. So you're going to host a summit about a specific topic that your audience needs help with. And you're going to bring in experts in the industry with people with the right audience to come speak on that topic. So they'll each come in and give, you know, a 20, 30 minute presentation about their area of expertise. And all of it comes together to create just an incredible learning experience for your attendees. Um, Typically, the summit model I teach is a a summit that's free to attend for a limited amount of time. You make the first round of revenue with an all access pass, you can have sponsorships, and then you can tie in a launch on the back end. So even though that initial, you know, attendance is free, there is so much room to make money as the host of this event, not to mention the connections you make, the thousands of people you add to your email list, the momentum you bring to your business. So it's basically one big event that can just absolutely skyrocket your business for for years um, after hosting it. Yeah, we're big, big fans of event marketing for memberships in particular, just for how effective they are and just getting a lot of eyeballs on you and what you're doing and, you know, putting yourself, your work, your quality out into the world. I think there's no better way of of showing people that you're someone worth Mm. investing in, worth spending a bit of time with. Um, Now, during lockdown, there did seem to be a lot of people doing summits, Mm. particularly people who would ordinarily run real-world live events. They had to pivot into hosting online alternatives. Now, that does seem to die down where everyone and their dog seem to have a summit lined up, Uh, but I'd imagine having gone through that period, that it's it's more important than ever to ensure that your summit really stands out. What sort of things can you do to achieve that? Oh, absolutely. You're so right. It is it is so much more important now than it was like prior to 2020. And you know, there are two things that come to mind for me. And first is infusing yourself into your summit. So your personality your values, the way you like to do things. Um, You know, I run a business called Summit in a Box, but I don't necessarily, you know, condone staying in the box. Like make it your event because that's going to make it so much more fun for you to run and for your attendees to go to. Um, But then, you know, I want to say more importantly, it's probably just as important is the way you position your summit. So we used to be able to get away with, you know, hosting a summit to help business owners grow their business. And that would work. That kind of thing isn't going to work anymore. It is too general. Been there, done that. There are too many summits for really general positioning to succeed. It doesn't work anymore. So you have to get more specific. If you do target like a broader audience for your business, whether it's B2B or B2C, it has to, you have to like narrow in for the audience for your summit. So for example, I kind of do target like all online business owners for Summit in a Box, but I cannot host a summit for that audience. So we will host summits for course creators, membership site owners, people with high ticket 
group programs. And even those are pretty broad, uh, but it's a start just to kind of give an example there. And then you also have to get really specific with the topic of the event. So, you know, going off the example I gave, a summit to help people grow their business or live a happier life or uh, have a happier family, that kind of thing just doesn't work anymore. There's too many summits for that. So you need to get more specific with that as well. So uh, we have run an event to help uh, membership site owners add, you know, get their next 100 members. Or we have uh, clients who will help uh, like card makers uh, make their Christmas cards, you know, things that are really specific. That's what gets people to sign up in, you know, an online business world where there are so many events for them to choose from. Yeah, I love that. You know, you never go wrong solving a specific problem because it's just so much more relatable and it seems so much more achievable and relevant yes, to exactly. to the audience. And yeah, I think these days, I think those, the place that the online business world is in, it's hard being a generalist. It's hard yeah. trying to, you know, be all things to all people. Um, so I love that advice there. Now, obviously, you know, we talked about with, with your summits, you're bringing in experts, you're bringing in other people to teach various different things to your audience. Do you have any tips for someone who might be nervous or put off about reaching out to people, particularly, you know, the, the people they perceive as the big names within their industry? If someone doesn't know where to start when it comes to inviting people to be part of the summit, what should they do? What should be the first step? I love this question. First, you know, if that's you, I want to just give you a little bit of perspective is that the worst thing someone will say is no, or they won't answer. Like nothing bad is going to happen when when you like do this outreach. And I know it's still scary. I still get scared. I've hosted 10 summits for my own brands and I still like get a little, like get in my feelings when it comes time to pitch, but know that nothing's bad's going to happen. Um, also know that like, if you are in a place with your business where you're thinking of hosting a summit, like you have what it takes. It doesn't matter what your email list size is, what your Instagram following is, like those are not the things that matter. What matters is that you're hosting a great event where your speakers are set up to benefit and that you're you're hosting an event for an audience that your speakers want to get in front of. Because these people are spending thousands of dollars on Facebook ads and other types of marketing. And you're, bring, you're coming in with a free opportunity where they can make money if they want to. So like just to give you some perspective there. Um, what I want you to think about first is go back to the audience thing we just talked about. What audience are you targeting for your summit? Who do you know that targets that same exact audience? Now, if you go pitch a big name person and they don't target the same audience as you, of course, they're going to say no. That's not going to benefit them. Um, so you got to be going after people with the right audience that instantly increases the likelihood that they're going to say yes. Um, something else I want you to keep in mind here is, is the way you're reaching out. So if you can start making connections in advance, that's never going to hurt. It's not required. Um, but if someone kind of recognizes your name when you go in with a pitch, you know, that that's always better than a, than a totally cold pitch. Um, and you know, it never hurts to have them buttered up a little bit before, before you make an ask. I also want you to keep in mind that big names are often not the people that will help you hit your summit goals because you know, this isn't in all cases, but I will say in most cases, the big names won't promote or they won't promote nearly as hard as the little names or, you know, the people who have, you know, mid-sized audiences. Those are the people that still really value this type of opportunity and they're willing to go hard for it because they're more excited about it. Where if you're pitching a big, big name in the industry, 
it doesn't mean a whole lot to them. They're not excited enough to be able to promote. They see themselves as doing you a favor. Um, so the big names typically aren't what go, what will make your summit a success. So don't put more value on that than you should. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm so, so glad that you said that about not just chasing those big names because you're right. Like for them, if they see their time as, as so valuable that they are doing you a favor in their eyes, they, they won't promote. And, and you see that with um, podcast guests and podcast interviews. Yeah. Exactly the same thing happens because one, the, you know, the way they, val- they, they value their time and the way they perceive contributing to your summit, your podcast, your membership or whatever is different. But also they do a lot of these kind of things. Yeah. Like, and actually that's, that's probably a good reason to go for the, the lesser known people because they're going to be bringing something fresh, pretty much guaranteed. If you go for the absolute tip top name in your industry, they're going to say the same thing they've said on a whole bunch of podcast Mm -hmm. episodes in their book, on their blog and a whole bunch of other summits. So, you know, bringing a fresh voice, uh, is, is a win-win in, in my view. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I always encourage our clients and students for that as well. Like try to get outside of the people who you see on every single summit registration page out there for that exact reason. They can only promote so many summits to their audience, right? Like they're not going to yeah. just do it week after week. So I love that you brought that up too. Absolutely. And you know, for any of our listeners who have guest expert content that's inside their membership, so if they've had an expert come in to teach a masterclass or do a course, that's a natural opportunity, right? For, to get those people onto your summit because it then gives you just a more organic call to action to tie back to your membership. You know, if you enjoyed Krista's session as part of this summit, then Academy members can watch a deep dive masterclass inside the membership. So that could be a place to start if someone's got that type of content, but is going about setting up a, a live summit for the very first time. Absolutely. And it makes those asks so much easier too, right? Because you already have an in with them and are pretty sure they're going to say yes. It just reduces a bunch of pressure in a whole bunch of different ways. Definitely. And also for any of our listeners who are podcast uh, hosts themselves, podcasts the easiest in, right? Mm -hmm. Because you always chat a little bit before, a little bit afterwards. And that's where you can drop in a, by the way. (laughs) Exactly. All right. So we've got the experts locked in. Let's talk logistics. So how many days, how many sessions per day? Is it live? Is it pre-recorded? Are you doing it on Facebook? Like, let's get into the weeds a little bit on this. What does all this look like from a practical perspective? Love it. I always say that there's not like a right way to do these things. I really want you to do things in a way that feels best to you. But I will talk about what I recommend doing. So if this is your first event that you're planning, I would really encourage you to go with pre-recorded or mostly pre-recorded. Uh, and the reason I say that is because people get into this process kind of underestimating how much goes into it, how much planning is involved, how many logistics you do need to worry about, especially during the week of that event. Uh, and really the last thing I want is for someone to have to be like to be surprised by all of those things and also have to be worrying about is this speaker going to show up for this session? Is tactic going to work? What's going to happen if it stops working or if they don't show up? It just adds a whole nother layer to have live sessions. So I would encourage you, for, at least for your first event, go pre-recorded. As for how many days, uh, right now, three to four days is kind of the sweet spot that I'm seeing. I used to say five, but with how many events have been popping up you, within the last few years, five is just 
it's so many days, so many days. And you will feel that as the host as well. By that fifth day, fourth day, you're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> it's not over yet. It's so fun, but it's not over yet. Um, so I have been sticking to three days for my last few events and that has felt really good. Um, you know, attendees are still excited by that point. You're not seeing a ton of drop off like you would on days four and five. So uh, three, four days is where I recommend sticking right now. As for the number of sessions, it's kind of de going to depend on the session length. Um, I have chatted with a couple different learning design experts, and they have all agreed that like 15 to 20 minutes is kind of the sweet spot for presentations because they say at the like the 17 minute mark is where you kind of lose people. So if you can stay within 15 to 20 minutes, you don't lose as many. And I have tested that for my events the last couple of years, and they love it. Attendees love the short bite-sized sessions where there's not too much fluff involved. Uh, I've gotten really great feedback on that. So then that gives you time to fit in some more sessions, you know. So I typically have about eight just because I like to have, you know, events with lots of speakers. Uh, we have students who will do, you know, five. We have people that go nuts and have 10 plus per day, uh, seven, eight is kind of uh, my sweet spot with, with where I like to have things. It just feels like a good number. Attendees have plenty to choose from, but I also encourage them like, don't try to go to every single session because you're going to end up overwhelmed and it just makes a nice, well-rounded event. Yeah. And I mean, eight sessions per day over three days, that's 24 sessions mm -hmm. to go to. You know, you hit that point at which you want people to actually go away and process and and yeah. execute on what they're learning right and that seems that seems a really good number i'm on board with that um now obviously you know you don't want to put on this amazing summit with fantastic speakers with these real value-packed bite-sized sessions and just have an empty room right we need to make sure we've got a nice big well-targeted audience for our uh, summit. So what tips do you have for making that happen, for getting those registrations for your summit? Are there any favorite strategies that you find work better than others? Yeah, like the number one strategy for making a summit successful is your speakers and relying on your speakers. So first, it's going to come down to kind of what I mentioned before, reaching out to speakers who have the exact same audience you are targeting for your summit. So I used to run summits for designers in my first couple of years, I was reaching out to a lot of speakers who targeted creative business owners, kind of, you know, that overarching audience, because I was like, well, designers are creative business owners. They're, you know, they're in that group, but it wasn't enough. It wasn't targeted enough. And when I figured that out and targeted or went after speakers that only had designers for their audience in my next summit, my results went from a 22K summit one year to a 60K summit the next year. So it like tripled my results when I figured that out. So I like to pass that one on to everybody, get very specific with your audience, go after speakers with that same audience. When you do that, that also makes it more likely that they're going to promote because it's going to mean you have an event that that's valuable for their audience. And the more valuable your free event is for their audience, the more they're going to want to put it in front of them as like kind of like an active service type situation. They want to give their audience uh, free, awesome resources to go to. Um, so that's just kind of like built in. You can also increase the amount speakers share by having relationships. Nothing will encourage speakers to share more than having an actual relationship with them. And, you know, odds are you're not going to be besties with every single person you have in your summit, but they can, they can feel your excitement. They can feel whether you care or if they're like just a number, just a speaker, they'll be able to tell in the way you're communicating, the way you're acting, the way you're planning the event, the way you've built in benefits for them. So go in with the intention of giving them a really awesome experience and creating relationships that you want to carry through. It's not just going to be like a peace out situation once you're done with your summit. 
I also like to build in ways for my speakers to benefit. So let them, you know, share a freebie at the end of their presentation, maybe even like promote their freebie in like a swag bag type situation for people who sign up. Um, Let them earn generous affiliate commissions. If you have the budget for paying your speakers, that's a great thing to do. You don't have to. Um, I didn't pay my speakers other than affiliate commissions for my first eight events. And like, they still went wonderfully. Uh, But if you can afford it, it's just another way to show them like, you care about them, you value what they're doing, um, things like that. So your speakers are the number one way to um, make your summit a success. Uh, we have plenty of clients and students who that's that's really the only thing they focus on. If you're familiar with Facebook ads or any type of paid ads, really, that's another really great route to take. We typically see people turning a profit with their ads through the All Access Pass. So, you know, you're running ads to your summit registration, your free summit registration. But once someone signs up for your summit, you're giving them kind of like a tripwire offer of your all access pass. So, you know, for 20 minutes, get 50% off or 25% off of the off of the all access pass. Uh, we typically see about 70% of our all access pass sales come through that tripwire offer. And right there, you'll, you'll turn a profit from your ads if they're set up well, if it's, you know, targeted correctly, things like that. Um, so then it's kind of like a slot machine is, is the way I like to think of it, but like a broken slot machine because you keep making money. So as much as you want to throw out ads, that just grows your event more and more. And then, you know, you can think outside the box with other like PR type stuff. You know, we've had people get in the media. You can do extra affiliates, things like that. Honestly, I don't do that. I rely on speakers uh, my own audience and and ads and that's kind of like what feels good to me and what I would recommend people start with yeah and I, I think it's so important what you said about making sure you put some actual effort into the relationship building side mm-hmm. and getting your speakers excited about being involved because you're absolutely right being on the receiving end of it and I've been involved in a whole bunch of different summits there's summits I've done where you turn up you do your thing you you disappear <laughs> And the summits I've done when I've been really, really hyped and really excited. And so, you know, when it comes to promoting to my audience, like we're extremely protective over mm-hmm. our audience, over our email list. We don't, we, we very, very rarely actually push anyone else's offers unless it's something we believe in, unless it's something mm-hmm. we're excited about and we know that our audience will be. And you're never going to get to that place if the the person who's hosting and organizing that summer isn't putting in the effort to to get you there, to get you excited, to get you invested, uh, so that you'd promote it whether you were involved or incentivized or not. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It can't be like a transaction. There has to be more to it. Absolutely. So you, you mentioned um, the All Access Pass. You mentioned that a couple of times and tripwires and stuff like that. So I know that's going to be pinging off for our listeners. Like, ooh, ooh, this is this is the money stuff. Because, of course, you know, we're not doing this as a, a charitable endeavor. We want to make sure we're generating some revenue. And as membership owners, ultimately, we want to make sure that we're driving new members to our membership on the back of this summit. So can you describe the actual sales strategy here, where's the revenue coming from? And in particular, how do you convert those summit attendees into member signups? All right, let's dive in. Um, This is a a big question. So just stop me if you want me to break something down more at any point. Um, When it comes to monetizing a summit, I have what I call or what I've named the stacked summit monetization strategy, because there are three monetization 
like big opportunities for monetization in assignment. And you kind of get to choose what your stack looks like. So the first thing that comes in this in the timeline is sponsorships. I'm not going to talk about that a whole lot here, you know, unless you really want me to. And I see sponsorships as very optional. Uh, I've had sponsors in two of the events I've ever hosted, um, but they can bring in significantly more revenue if it's a route that feels good to you that you want to go down. Next, we have the all access pass. And that is kind of the first place I would want you to look to generate revenue from your summit. Uh, a lot of people see it as a way to like cover expenses, but really when it's a summit done well and an offer put together well, it should do significantly more than that. Um, my first summit brought in 16,000 in all access pass revenue. My biggest one brought in 121,000 in all access pass revenue. I was happy wow. with both of those numbers based on where I was in my business journey at the time. Um, but, but the way that works is after someone registers for the free ticket, they have like usually 24 or 48 hours to watch presentations each day. The all access pass gives them longer access. So some people do 90 days a year. I always just do ongoing access because I have the tech, you know, for other things anyway, might as well just give ongoing access in in my mind. Um, But the ongoing access, even though it's handy for people and it makes sense with the way summits you know, are, are, are created, that's not what actually gets people to convert. So we like to kind of build in, a, uh, when you think of like a running a paid bundle or something like that, we like to build that in to our all access pass strategy as well. So we have our speakers contribute, you know, products they already have to this all access pass to make a bundle of resources. Uh, I like to add in some like live calls during the event. This is going to depend on your audience. But for me, since I target business owners, we'll do uh, like maybe Q&A sessions. We'll do hot seat coaching, maybe co-working, networking, things like that. Um, we have clients who like have run yoga um, summits and they'll do, you know, yoga sessions each morning. Uh, we have lots of crafters. So they'll do crafting sessions like where everyone gets together and d- does a project. We ran a summit for um, a client who teaches a specific type, uh, type of way of eating. So we had like uh, cocktail mixing sessions with one of their sponsors one day. So you can do all kinds of fun stuff, but that's also really like a really fun option to put in the all access pass. Uh, we like to see our clients all access pass convert around 10 to 15%. If you're targeting uh, a B2B audience, usually that's a little bit lower than a B2C. B2C can convert a little bit higher, um, but we want to see good conversion rates there. Um, is there anything else you think I should break down with the all access pass before I move on to the membership launch? No, no, I think we've already, yeah, I think you've hit on all the key stuff. Okay, cool. So then the part that's most exciting to me, and I'm guessing all of you membership site owners listening is the fact that you can, and like, please do should tie in a launch of your membership into this event. And this is something we have only been teaching for uh, about a year and a half at this point, but it is so, so powerful. Um, A lot of people see summits as a way to bring in that email list and maybe make some money. And when you tie in this launch, it brings it to a whole nother level and let you in on a little secret. Membership site owners just have it better than course creators or anything else because of uh, the, the way you can get people in, which we'll talk about, and the fact that it's ongoing monthly revenue. And I'll be honest with you, I used to look at memberships as like less than courses. I was like, oh my gosh, it's something you have to keep up with and like all of this stuff. And then we worked with a couple clients last year who had memberships. I was like, oh, this is better. (laughs) I'm jealous of all of you with memberships. (laughs) Um, You you realize that, yeah, yeah. we've been, we've been right all along. You really have been, you really have been. I'm like rethinking (laughs) my whole life over here. Um, But there's a few keys I'll talk about to launching your membership with the summit. 
So first of all is just a note that I want this to be a proven membership. I don't want you to be testing a new offer with a summit. There are much easier ways to test a new offer you're working on creating. So please at least do some kind of beta launch or something like that so you know this offer works and you know what your normal conversion rates are. Next, you want to look at your event positioning. So how can you position your summit so that it is a natural transition into your membership? So maybe it means your summit is step one and your membership is step two, or your summit helps them realize like, oh my gosh, I want to do this thing. And your membership is like, here you go. You know, here's how you do it. You want to make sure that the the messaging uh, and positioning makes sense. What you want to look out for is making it so that people are be like, will be like, wait, I just went to the summit. Why do I need your membership? So you don't want it to be like the summit is the one-on-one and your membership is also the one-on-one. That doesn't work well. Um, you also don't want it to be a situation where they go through your summit, they see your membership, and you're like, they're like, what? Why do I need this? Like, this doesn't even make any sense. You, the, the two pieces of positioning need to go together really well. The next thing I want you to consider is just tying it back into your speakers we were talking about earlier. Make it a win for your speakers if you can. A lot of people come to us and they're like, ah, oh, you know, I don't want my speakers to be upset when I launch. How do I make this feel good for them? If you have an affiliate program for your membership, work that into your summit as well. So if an affiliate... Um, gets, you know, an attendee to sign up for your summit and that summit or that attendee joins your membership, your affiliates can, can get commission there. And that way, it's also really easy to work it in without having to feel like you're like asking for permission or anything. Like even in your speaker agreement, you can just be like, uh, in the affiliate section, you'll get this uh, affiliate commission for the all access pass, this commission for the membership when we launch it after the event, boom, like that's all you have to say. You've told them that you're launching. The next thing I want you to look at when it comes to launching your membership through your summit is how you can build awareness of your membership through your event. So what I don't want you to do is go through your whole summit, being all hush-hush about your membership because you're afraid of like making people mad by talking about it, and then launch and they're like, wait, what is this? I've never heard anything about this before. So you don't want it to feel like a bait and switch. Uh, like, wait, I thought I signed up for something for free. What are you What are you presenting me with? You don't want it to be a surprise either. You want them to know it's coming. And there are really like simple feel good ways that you can do this. And I'll, I'll talk about a couple of them here. Uh, first of all, whenever you introduce yourself, also introduce your offer. So I could say like, hey, I'm Krista, the owner of Summit in a Box, creator of the Launch with the Summit Accelerator. Like just build your membership right in with your own introduction. And you yeah. could even add where we help you blank and then just continue on. So that's every time you're introducing yourself, they're hearing about your membership. Something else you can do is kind of have your membership sponsor your summit. So if you think of different areas where sponsors might show up, they're on their registration page, they're getting shout outs in different areas, you know, in different videos and things like that in different emails, make your membership a sponsor, talk about your own offer instead of someone else's. Uh, and we could, we could go into a lot more ways to build awareness, but I want you to be kind of seeding your membership in little ways that feel good that aren't just a constant pitch, because we don't want to make a pitch fest of a summit either. We want it to really be beneficial for attendees, whether or not uh, they move into the membership. The next thing I want you to think about is timing. And this is something I used to teach, which was, um, you know, you've just sent people so many emails through your summit. Give them a little break. Don't go straight into a launch. It's just too much. Oh my gosh, I was so wrong. <laughs> and everyone who thinks that is wrong too. Because here's what happens. People get so excited during your summit. They're making progress. You're changing their life or their business or uh, helping them pursue a passion that they're so excited about. And if you just end your summit without your offer, they're like, okay. Now what? You know, you're just kind of leaving them hanging without a next step. They're either going to lose excitement or they're going to find their own next step. You want your offer to be that next step. So build your membership launch right into your event. There are no breaks between summit and launch. Uh, 
As for how to launch, again, um, with a membership, you have uh, a, a really an easier in than people with courses or other offers do because a lot of you can work in uh, a trial of some kind, whether that's a free trial, a $1 trial, whatever feels good to you. If you know that converts for you, which again, go, go test if you don't already know this. That is such an easy way to get people into your membership. And we like to have our clients build that into their all access pass. So like, you know, you get a, a free, you know, 30 days or uh, 30 days for $1 when you get the all access pass. And we have, I have this written down, our last one, two, three, four clients that have launched memberships through a summit, they have had anywhere from 42% to 58% of their all access pass buyers take them up on that free trial. And they're telling me that they're not seeing that free trial convert lower than it does outside of a summit. So that means these people are adding anywhere from 210 to 500 new members into their membership through a summit, uh, largely because of the trial strategy. Now, there are other ways you continue to launch. You know, if you know that webinars work well for you or something like that, I like to see you build that in as well so that you can also get people who didn't purchase the All Access Pass. But man, that trial makes it such an easy in for membership site owners. And that's the part where I'm really like, oh my gosh, I really wish I had a membership because it is just so powerful. <laughs> Absolutely. And you know, that that's the thing with memberships, the kind of the cons, the difficult side of a membership is that usually it's so all encompassing that it's it's difficult to to really pinpoint the value proposition in the way that you can with with a course. Mm-hmm. right to get real real specific and so the fact that you can give people a trial to actually show them and have them experience uh, experience it yeah that can be a massive game changer now you mentioned you, you mentioned launch launch your membership quite a few times there mm-hmm. um obviously you know something like this i'm a huge huge fan of event marketing for launching a brand new membership again obviously once you validate it and beta test it and all of that and if you've got a closed door membership uh you know, I can see this working as part of mm-hmm. your opening enrollment period strategy uh, for those launches. Oh, I, I hate the term launch for that because <laughs> I'm not launching. Um, anyway, but for an open door membership, a membership that's open the majority of the time, which most memberships have that model, are there any differences in how you might approach running uh, a summit as a promotional campaign for an evergreen membership mm-hmm. versus running it as an event? for opening up a closed membership or launching a brand new membership? Yeah. So the biggest thing I would, I would look at there is if you don't usually use a trial, consider it. Um, but also just look at if you can add any type of like summit only bonuses that will make people want to enroll now. If there's someone in your current audience who has kind of been putting it off. Now keep in mind a summit, like your goal is to attract a whole flood of cold leads. So a lot of people who haven't seen your membership before. So like that in and of itself is going to help. But if you also have the goal of re-engaging your existing audience and getting them to join, um, you still you still want some type of urgency through the summit. And the summit will do a great job of getting them excited, making them want to make progress. But if you can push things along, that's always helpful. So I like to do uh, with our clients some kind of limited time um, offer that that's only valid in the summit. Sometimes that's like, uh, you know, a two week sprint afterwards where you're working together, uh, to, to implement like phase one of your membership, you know, depending on how it's set up, or maybe it's a couple extra Q and a calls where I don't see those as quite as exciting, but it's still something. Sometimes people just need something, um, to get them to want to start right now. And, and for me, like easy, 
uh, doing something live like an implementation session, some kind of live session is easier than feeling like you have to create something new that's not already in your membership in order to get people to want to join. So that's what I would recommend if you uh, usually have your membership open. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, you know, you're going to want your existing members to come along as well to your summit. And, you know, if they're in the chat, if they're talking to non-members, then a lot of the time they're going to be your salesperson. They're going to give that little bit extra incentive um, and motivation for people to join too. Yeah. And I'm so glad you brought that up. Something I really love to do is have like at least one panel session that's made up of current members. And really you want to find some members that have had success in your program and love shouting about you from the rooftops, bring them in so they can talk about their journey. You can have them share, you know, what was the most impactful thing you did? Where were you before? Where are you now? Because that's beneficial for people to hear. It gives them hope. It gets gets them excited, lets them get an idea of, okay, here are the steps they took. But since they're your members, they are going to be so excited to shout about you from the rooftops. Your membership is going to come up over and over again in this panel without you even having to ask them to bring it up. And it is, it is such a powerful strategy to include. I forgot to mention that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, they, they'll bring up that membership organically mm-hmm. and you can just kind of sit back and not have to worry about, <laughs> okay, how, how do we sneak a little sales pitch into this? It's fantastic. Um, so obviously with a summer like this, there's a lot of content being created. What are some of your favorite ways to get more value out of that content after the summit is over, everyone's got the the all access pass and people have joined your membership. Like, should you be also adding the recordings into your membership? Should you be selling it as a standalone bundle? Mm-hmm. Do you repurpose it to free content? Like, how can membership owners leverage that content beyond the summit itself? What are some of your favorite things to do? Or do you just kind of leave it be in order to kind of maintain that exclusivity? Yeah. So, I mean, there's definitely a fine line. I know some people who will like put all of the presentations on their pod, like drip them out on their podcast over the months following the summit. I personally don't love that because I just promoted this like in my all access pass is like, you have to buy this in order to get ongoing access. So that doesn't feel as good to me. Um, First of all, whatever you decide to do, make sure it's in your speaker agreement so you don't have to go back and ask permission or run into any issues there. But some of the things I really like to do is I will just put it on Evergreen. So if you don't have another Tripwire offer or anything you like to use um, after someone opts in for a freebie, you know, you could use your summit presentations. I know some people who put their summits on Evergreen. So if your summit converted well and you're like, oh my gosh, people should have access to this all the time, you can keep running your summit just you know, not live, use like deadline funnel, countdown hero, whatever, whatever you guys usually recommend. So when someone signs up for your, for the free summit, even after it's over, they still get each day's sessions dripped out to them and they still get an offer of your all access pass throughout that. So it's kind of like it's running in real time. It's just that, you know, the interaction pieces aren't there as much. You can build some in, um, but you can keep it running that way. And then You know, I do know some people who will add the recordings to their membership. I think this is up to you and the way you have it set up. Uh, If you like gifted your members an all access pass, I think it makes sense then to have your recordings as ongoing access to the membership. Where it can get a little sticky is if you required your members to pay for their all access pass. If you then just add those to your membership, they're going to be like, wait what, why did I just pay for this? So you kind of have to think about what your goals are there. But if it, if the, the content really ties into your membership, 
I mean, that's a great way to get your speakers extra exposure and to add a whole bunch of extra value to your membership. You can either kind of promote them as like standalone, you know, master classes, or you can, you know, have it as a bundle that you list as a bonus or something like that. Uh, but it really, really comes down to each person's goals and what they prefer there. Yeah. And I suppose one of the things you can do, because yeah, that big potential problem area of charging people for the all access pass and then making that content available inside the membership, you just guaranteed that that's going to cause problems. And and quite mm-hmm. rightly so, if you're essentially kind of double charging people. Yeah. But I suppose what you could do is discount the membership mm-hmm. by the amount that someone's already paid for the all access pass um, and, and kind of build a deadline around that offer or something like that so that it stays fair. Yeah, absolutely. And like something else we we do with people is uh, with some clients like to have two tiers of their all access pass. So one tier is like literally just the recordings, maybe like a podcast feed of the recordings as well. And then their higher tier has all those extra bonuses and live sessions and things like that. So you could make it so your members get like they could get the lower tier for free and then like get a discount on that higher tier as well. Um, you know, you'll lose out on some of your highest converting people that way, but you're also serving your members really well also, which I always kind of lean towards that option. Definitely. So um, we've covered a lot of ground and I mm-hmm. know that our listeners will have kind of paused and gone back and gone back, over, especially in that bit on the, the sales strategy as well. That will have been replayed quite a few times. So there's a lot for people to unpack if they want to get started with using Summers to sell their membership. But if there's one big takeaway that you want people to go away in and, and get started with their summer strategy from what we've covered, what would it be? Yeah, I think from a strategy standpoint, it would be to start thinking about the way you want your summit positioned. So you want to get that specific audience we talked about, even if it means uh, a summit that is for a narrower audience than your overall business is for, I promise you that's okay to do. So start thinking about that. Start thinking about a topic that's going to be really helpful for them and a topic that's going to tie into your membership really well. And some of you, you already have an idea. You already know what that is. And like, I'm celebrating you. That is wonderful. It does not come that easily for me. For me, I need to like kind of have it in the back of my mind, but not be trying to force it. So like when I'm driving in the car, you know, all of a sudden that idea will just come. And I'm guessing there's going to be some people who like, that's their experience. You need to just give yourself some space and time. So if the idea isn't coming to you, just let it start kind of simmering in the back of your mind. And when it clicks, when you had that idea, then you can run with it. Uh, you know, you can also talk to your audience, see what they need help with, um, you know, survey your members, things like that. Um, but start thinking of that positioning that's going to make a high converting summit itself and lead really naturally into your membership. Yeah, and that's such a great point. If your membership's already up and running, you've got that inbuilt focus group. You've got that mm-hmm. data right there where you can see, which content in the membership, which topics are the ones that are most compelling? What reasons are people giving you for joining your membership? And what are the commonalities there to identify the the, the, the biggest problems that people have? And mm-hmm. so if anyone's kind of struggling to think of where they might start, if you've got your membership up and running, you've got your member base there, that's such a valuable resource. Absolutely. Definitely. Ah, oh, man, I'm itching now. I've got those ideas brewing away of like, hmm. <laughs> Do we have time? Like it's the anniversary <laughs> of, um, well, by the time this episode goes out, the anniversary of Membership Academy will have passed. But right now we're about a week or two away. Like, uh-huh. Can I like very quickly throw together a summit? <laughs> will Callie absolutely murder me if I Give go? Give me an anxiety attack over yeah. here. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 think, I, think, I think I'll get in trouble with Callie for trying <laughs> yeah. to 
<laughs> but hey, maybe sometime further down the line. Um, that's fantastic. I could sit here picking your brains all day about online summers, particularly because I now want to run one. Um, <laughs> for people who want more from you, where can they go uh, to get that and to learn a bit more about how you can help them with their summits? Yeah, if you are like, oh my gosh, I think I might want to launch my membership through a summit, you want to dive into that process a little more, we actually have a free 10-day training series to walk you through those starting steps. So we walk you through the positioning. We have like a couple days where you're focusing on positioning and getting that down. We talk about the launch. We talk about working your values in in a way that feels good. So it's a 10-day series. You can either you know go through it a day at a time. You can also binge if you're a binger. Um, but that's at summitinabox.co slash series. It's a really great place to get started. And you know you can kind of get your feet wet with the process and see if it if it's something that will feel good to you to move forward with from there. Perfect. I love that. And we'll put all the links to uh, that resource and to uh, the Summit in a Box website as well on the show notes for this episode. This has been fantastic. Like I've really, really enjoyed this and I know our listeners are going to get so much value and um, no doubt there'll be a lot of follow-up questions. So we may well have to get you back on the show for an advanced online summit strategy oh, yeah. episode sometime <laughs> in the future. Um, but for now, I think we've kind of squeezed a bit We'll squeeze enough out of you on Summit. So I uh, just want to thank you for coming on and for sharing so much value with our audience. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Thank you once again to Krista for coming on to the show. Wasn't that a ridiculously value-packed conversation? Like I, when I listened back through to it, once I got the edit back, I was just scribbling and scribbling and scribbling notes. Um, and the amount of really tactical, really valuable, really practical insight that Krista dropped was just phenomenal. And, you know, it's got me excited about the concept of, oh no, I can't say it. I can't say it's got me excited about hosting a, a summit for promoting membership academy because yeah, I mean, Callie, she really will kill me, but Hey, stay tuned, right? Um, and I'm sure that a lot of you have got a similar itch and now you're better informed and you know where to go and you know what to do in order to make running an online summit part of the marketing and sales strategy for your membership business. All right, I've got to call it a day. Thank you so much for joining me for this week's episode. Thanks once again to Krista for providing so much value. I'll see all of you next time with another installment of the Membership Geeks podcast. If you enjoyed this week's episode of the Membership Geeks podcast, we invite you to check out membershipacademy.com. Membership Academy is the original membership about memberships, and it's the essential resource for anyone at any stage of starting, growing, and running a successful online membership business. Whether you're still trying to figure out what your idea is going to be and you need some help making it a reality, or whether your website is already up and running and you're looking for ways to grow and attract new members, then Membership Academy can help you to get to the next level. Not only do you get access to our step-by-step -step membership roadmap, our extensive training library and exclusive member-only discount and tools, you'll also become part of our supportive active community of membership owners that will help you along the way in your journey with feedback, encouragement, and advice. All of this and more make Membership Academy the number one place to be for anyone looking to start, manage, and grow a successful membership business. 
check it out and join the community at membershipacademy.com.